0: Today's Animal Spirits is brought to you by J.P. Morgan. Check out the J.P. Morgan NASDAQ Equity Premium Income ETF, ticker JEPQ. It's an active ETF that seeks to deliver monthly distributable income and NASDAQ 100 exposure with less volatility. So this is a covered call strategy we've talked about in the past. Unique, low cost. Would you say it's the sister to, J- to JEPI? I think so, yes. It, it's the NASDAQ 100. Yeah, so income, diversified equity solution credit replacement, they say. So, so they're targeting a 9 to 11% annual income consisting of dividends and then option premium. I'm guessing most of that is option premium. They pay out all the income on a monthly basis. So if you're with someone who's who's looking for income or a retiree, maybe that seems to make a lot of sense.
1: We have a talk about coming up with them. Well, we're, yes. we will, We'll dive. You have questions? We'll, One we'll of our answers.
0: most requested funds that we've seen. So check out more To learn more, the link in the description, remember, always understand the risk war before you invest in anything, and go to jpmorgan.com to learn more. Welcome to Animal Spirits, a show about markets, life, and investing. Join Michael Batnick and Ben Carlson as they talk about what they're reading, writing, and watching. All opinions expressed by Michael and Ben are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Bridholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions
1: in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome to Animal Spirits with Michael and Ben. Ben, it's good to see your face. Thank you. You too. You're welcome. How was your Father's Day? Same. Father's All Day right. was good.
0: Okay. <laughs> 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 the one <laughs> different thing I got to sleep in, and then and then the kids woke me up with donuts. That was nice. Do you know what kind of donut I had?
1: Who uh, an Eclair. An Eclair? I did have a Long John. It was good. All right. Quick update. I'm told that future proof uh, rooms are selling out. And not metaphorically, actually. Somebody texted me, hey, I can't get into the Hyatt. Can you, can you, can you take care of me? I'm like, no. There's another hotel. <laughs> There's two more hotels.
0: Yeah. So, You're uh, the guy behind the guy. You can't make that. You can't make hotels yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, come on. All right. Uh, had a great tweet that I wanted to get to last week, but I forgot. He said, since the October S and P 500 low money market funds have taken an $832 billion equity ETFs, only $18 billion. And the S and P is up 20% over that span. Still amazed at lack of equity ETF inflows. I remember when ETFs were the only reason markets were going up. Remember that? So can we, can we put that to, can we put that argument to, to bed or? Yeah,
0: I, I- Isn't it just most of the movement now happens at the margins and most people, the majority of money is just kind of sitting there doing nothing. The hedge funds and if we're talking like the trillions and trillions of dollars in there, most of it's most of the time not moving from one thing to another.
1: You know, there's a chart showing the average holding period of individual stocks keeps going lower, which I understand. Um, But if you look at the total pie, I wonder what the, I don't know if this is measurable if anybody has this data, shoot it to us. What would you guess the overall turnover of global assets are on an annual basis? I would, oh, my, I would guess I would guess, 10%. Right. I, think I don't like know if that's the, way high or way low. Probably, yeah. what, what, what would you guess? Well, a few years ago,
0: they, they had it on S&P, the SPY, and it was like the average holding period is 22 days or something. But people also use it as a that's hedging different. vehicle. Yeah. They use it to short. That, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how you would separate the, the crazy machine trading from Regular yeah. investors would be, yeah, a I'm also
1: not one. saying that flows cannot drive performance for certain certain assets. They certainly can. Yes. But ETF flows do not drive the overall market. Come on. Come on now. All right.
0: Good piece from the Wall Street Journal called Boomers Got Hooked on Stocks. Now They Can't Let Go. Uh, nearly two-thirds of US adults 65 or older own equity through individual stocks, mutual funds, or retirement accounts, according to Gallup. So they, remember that Gallup poll we've been talking about that shows how many people own stocks? They broke it down into different age groups. So they look at this, 18 to 29, 30 to 49, 50 to 64, and 65 and older. And the 65 and older crowd is the only one that has continued to go up every year since like 2001, which Makes is pretty sense. good.
1: Makes sense. That's what we've been telling our clients, right? Living longer.
0: So that's what they said. As life expectancy increases, older Americans often need to fund retirement. Uh, Life expectancy, this is interesting. Life expectancy by birth rose about five years for men, eight years for women between 1940 and 1960. That's crazy. That's a crazy thing. Wait, say that one more time? Say that one more time? uh, Life expectancy at birth, so if you're born between 1940 and 1960, jumped five years for men and nearly eight years for women. Over what time period? If you were born between 1940 and
1: 1960. Oh, I understand. huge... By the way, for for people that are watching us on video, I'm looking down because I've got my phone, because normally I've got a separate monitor. I don't right now. Do you do you
0: think the reason that boomer equity exposure is continuing we, the life expectancy thing is a big one. You're going to be living longer, but do you also think boomers have just been trained over the course of their lifetime that that stocks are the the really the the only game in town if you want to earn higher returns.
1: Stocks are the safest long-term investment. Not the yes, riskiest, but, the safest. But if you've been However, in it for so
0: long, you've you've noticed that every time there's a crash or bear market, stocks come back so why wouldn't you increase your exposure to stock? I, I'm just thinking, is this an experience thing for the boomers that that's why that they have more money in stocks now and it continues to go up?
1: I would say there's definitely an element of that. I would also say that I wonder, had interest rates over the last decade not average zero percent and closer to five
0: yeah this might this might up.
1: be this might be different um, so I think there's yeah multiple facets in here, so they also broke
0: down equity ownership by generation. Uh, no one ever really talks about the silent generation anymore because they're obviously dying off, I guess. But boomers have, I don't know, eyeballing it, what is it? 60% of it? Gen Wait X is actually silent,
1: pretty... but the silent gen still owns a ton of stocks. I mean, 25%, yeah. uh, not, 20, not quite 25, closer to 20. Who, so if you're in the silent generation, you were born before 1946. So at a minimum, you're like 70, close to 80.
0: So just imagine how many boomers are waiting for those that inheritance to come through from the silent generation, right? The boomers are going to get even wealthier now that inheritance is just going to trickle down. But look at how small millennial pieces. I think that in the next two to three decades is going to explode higher. Gen X is-, is Oh yeah, that's uh, not an opinion. That's just, I mean- That's a fact, right? But Gen, yeah. X, is, Gen X is probably bigger than you would assume. Because look at it, it dropped to almost zero in 2008, and now it's above 25%. Not bad. Uh, I'm going to start having to charge for uh, ad hoc research, but someone asked, because we talked last week, I said I I showed the different unemployment ranges, right? I said, when unemployment is high, returns are better. unemployment is low, future returns are worse, right?
1: Wait, before you dive into this, can I just say one... Sorry to cut you off. Can I just say one thing just before we leave the population thing? Mm -hmm. Or the demographic thing? People were saying that I had a terrible take on demographics. Quite a few people were saying this. Or population.
0: You got got dunked on a little bit because you you said you didn't care.
1: Yeah. How is that a take? I'm just saying I don't... It's not that it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. It matters a great deal. I'm just saying... It's not something that I find super interesting, that's all.
0: You can't do a candlestick chart on population growth, so you're, you're out on it.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, no, it matters, uh, obviously. Unless, uh, maybe, I gave, maybe I did give an opinion. If, if I did, I don't quite remember. But my I general, you, my general you take is it. Just,
0: you, you, Yeah, you're not there I to I, care.
1: I didn't mean to poo-poo it. It's just personally, I don't find it super interesting, that's all. Back to you. All
0: right. So someone asks, along with that unemployment stuff, we've looked before at— uh, stocks in higher or lower inflationary data, right? So when inflation is rising, stocks do worse, and inflation is falling, stocks do better. Someone said, Ben, why don't you show me inf- unemployment rising or falling? So and I did pre- Yeah, it's a pretty simple one. I just looked at year to year. I just looked at annual returns. So 1928 to, or 19, sorry, 1948 to 1922, and I looked at is unemployment rate higher or lower over the course of a calendar
1: year. I, I kept Can it I pretty guess? simple. Can I guess at the results? Sure. I'm, I'm going to guess there's nothing. There's no material impact one way or the other. There actually, there was more than I thought, but they were both
0: pretty good. So the unemployment rate is rising. You get 9.9% average returns. Okay. Unemployment rate is falling. You get 14% average returns. So wow. it's better, but it's it also- Well,
1: I guess, no, you know what? That makes sense. Because if unemployment is falling, you're probably coming out of a recession.
0: Yeah, and you're yeah you're in a yeah. good, strong economy. Okay. Do you know what
1: the annual returns
0: for the S&P are from 1948 to 1922? So you're taking away- World War II, Great Depression, really b- total returns are closer to like twelve percent? It's like eleven and a half percent per year. Pretty like yeah. pretty amazing. I mean, you're starting yeah. there where like the 1950s were about to have an do you mind, unbelievable do you mind, bull market.
1: Uh now Japan. True. But I'm just
0: saying, like it's it's crazy. If you if you just take off the Great Depression crash, how much better stock returns get? Anyway. Even even with the Great Caveats Depression- Caveats abound.
1: I- Caveats abound. There was no SP five hundred. There was no way yeah. to invest in, in a basket of stocks like that. But. Yeah, you couldn't
0: reinvest. But even I did this for a speech I gave a couple weeks ago. Do you know what the average returns were from 1926 to 1959, inclusive of World War II, Great Depression, 1930s malaise, all this stuff? Yeah, average annual returns. Well,
1: the 50s were a, a sick decade. So, seven percent,
0: ten per, over ten percent per year from 1926 to 1959, because that's when they okay. did the crisp the crisp data the, the first time they looked at. Those returns in 1960. What was it from
1: 1926 to
0: 1949? Zero. I don't know. I have to look. No, it's it's. I bet it's probably closer to seven, like you said. But I have to look because you're right. The, the 50s were great, but I mean, it's just. I bet you 1926 to 1949 is closer to zero than it is to seven. Almost every single long term period of stocks in the U.S. stock market, if you look over like a 30 year period, is pretty fantastic. That's the that's mm-hmm. the takeaway.
1: Well, how about this? Not to go down this rabbit hole has been beaten to death, but. Does the next fifty years look like the like the last fifty years? Like are we gonna get eight percent from the next fifty years, give or take? Here's here's my take that I gave that, that I've given recently
0: that back then it was the barriers to entry to get into the stock market were so much higher, the spreads were wider, the fee you had to pay one to three percent to trade a stock. Net returns were lower. So is that where it's gonna shake out? Yeah, net returns were lower. So I think now fees are so much lower, maybe gross returns will be lower. Maybe right. it'll be more like six to eight percent versus nine to ten percent. But on a net basis, all? you're but on a yep. net basis because you're paying so fewer fees and you have the ability to defer taxes. You didn't have that in the past. I think the number I looked at recently. I got a new piece out today. You can look. Eighty five percent of all money in nineteen sixty five was taxable. So like taxer because mm. four hundred one ks run around, IRAs run around. So on a net basis, if we're talking net of everything, fees, taxes, uh, all this stuff. Inve- you know, investment expenses, all this stuff, I think now on a net basis, it'll probably end up being the same thing. I think maybe you had to have higher returns back in the day to compensate for those higher costs to get into the stock market. How's that? All
1: right. So so we just zoomed out. Can we zoom back in? Let's do it. So market higher or lower at the end of the year? Have stocks gotten ahead of themselves? So the S&P is up, what, 15% right now, year to date? Yeah. I don't think it's... I'd be... I'd be,
0: I'd be Higher or lower from here or higher or lower from the start of the year?
1: No, from here. From here. I'd, I'd be... I'd be mildly surprised. Of course, nothing is too surprising, but I'd be mildly surprised if stocks were materially higher by the year end. Like, I think they're more likely to like lose six percent than gain. The number, the number of twenty
0: percent up years in the stock market is way higher than you think. Yeah, yeah, that would be my that'd be my guess if if I had to base it on probabilities. So higher from here. If we're if we're going if we're gonna I'm gonna zoom out again because this is what I do. (laughs) We're we're probably two thirds of the time we have a ten percent correction (laughs) right in a given year. 95% 95% yeah. of the time, we have 5%. Cre- we already actually, actually had a 7% correction this year. No one realizes that. But we Run. had like a 7% per- uh, like February maybe. I can't remember when. It, but we've had like a 7% correction this year already.
1: Hmm.
0: It, I think people just kind of moved out. I did on. not know
1: that. I did not know that. This is a good tweet from Jared Dillian. I think there's a lot of truth here. Jeff Gunlock, and this is definitely not a Jeff Gunlock specific thing. I think, I think we, all of us exhibit this. Uh, the quote is, the stock market, frankly, is exhibiting signs of a mania said double line CEO Jeffrey Gunlock on Wednesday warning that the stock market valuations are look quote pretty scary. And what he said is not really material, but I want to focus on what Jared Jeff said. Jeff Gunlock
0: so just, has predicted 26 of the last three bear markets. Well, he's a he's a bond Fair. guy.
1: They're all they're bond guys are bearish. Um, so Jared said Gunlock is deep in the finan- financial industry bubble. Stocks will be in a mania when I start hearing about them from people in Myrtle Beach. Nobody around here cares. It is not a mania. But I do think just the general idea that everybody has their own experience of the stock market through their Twitter feed. You know what I mean? If you are true on Twitter, especially if you're in if you work in finance, your view is A, how are you positioned? And B, who are you following? It's very true. easy to get a skewed position of what the actual and also, sentiment hearing is. Hearing one
0: or two anecdotes of an Uber driver mentioned to me they're trading stocks or a friend. I, we went to a party a couple weeks ago and someone was asking, Ben, what do you do? You know, we did that game. What do you do? What do you do? And I said, I work in wealth management. I can't remember how I explained it. And some, the per, other person said, I work in a healthcare. I have no idea about managing money. I know nothing about the stock market. Like they wanted nothing to do with that conversation, which that's is great. fine with me. I'd rather not that's, have it. Yeah. But I, I think that's most people. Most people just live their life and don't think about this stuff very often. Yeah. But if you're in it all the time like we are, then you try to look for every little every little anecdote of, oh, this person did this, and this magazine cover said this, and this story said this, and it's, there's just way too many data points now that you can screw yourself up with, I feel like.
1: All right, Ben, I want to do some stuff on inflation. I made a chart of CPI, all items, that's the blue, the blue line. Energy is the gray line. And what, the, the lines I'm talking about for people that are not watching is the 12-month standard deviation of CPI. So energy is crazy, right? It's all over the place, which is why uh, core strips out energy. It also strips out food, and I'm looking at food. Ben, does this look that volatile to you? Food looks as volatile as everything else.
0: Yeah, that's actually kind of surprising because people always say go to the go to the grocery store if you want to see inflation. It's not, but it, so it must be just one-off items.
1: But I'm saying core strips out food because it's and energy because they says they're volatile. But I'm looking, food doesn't look that volatile. No, you.
0: So you have all items here: food and energy, and and food to me looks like all items.
1: Correct. Anyway, I would be curious if anybody, uh, any economist listening, or has has an opinion on that. Um, All right, twelve month percentage chain for CPI. This is the BLS website gives uh, a lot of good charts that you could play around with. So these are select items that are going down really fast. Uh, One is actually close to deflation. Disinflation is when it's going down when it's going down at a, faster pa- at a faster pace. So it's still rising, but I'm sorry, at a slower pace than it had been previously. That's disinflation. Deflation is when it's outright, the prices are down year over year. So not rising slower, down. So new vehicles, as well as food at home, are going down pretty quickly or rising less quickly. Than I feel like had.
0: automobiles are the ones that we've been waiting on forever.
1: And so that's the- happening.
0: I'm, I'm going to talk to my dealership, tomorrow to talk about a potential new lease. So I'll get back to you next week on how that goes. I'm a little nervous.
1: You're not using a broker?
0: I'm not, I'm not in New York, man. I don't have like a lawyer and a broker on call for every transaction that I do.
1: They don't have, they don't have broker, car brokers in the Midwest?
0: I'm, I, I negotiate all my deals for myself. Ca- when I negotiate cable, internet, cars, I do it all.
1: I, all like right, well, I, I, value, ser- I value service. Okay. I'm like
0: Lamar Jackson. I don't need an agent.
1: <laughs> Medical care services is close to going down year over year for the first time this data series goes back to 2003. How, isn't that kind of interesting? I feel like that's the type of thing that never goes down. That's true. And as, as I'm playing with all of these different, so it's energy, electricity, apparel, medical care commodities, shelter, there's a million things. The prices almost never go down year over year. So Ben, look at the chart up top. CPI, just for all items. This is from Fred going back to 1950. Well, this is what we were talking about last week. You don't
0: have a a burst of inflation and then it just round trips and goes back to where you were. Inflation
1: is always rising. We just Always. That's the point. Prices never go down. Prices never go down. The last time there was deflation was after the GFC for for a couple of months and then in the 50s for a minute and right after World War II, which, you know, for for obvious reasons. But prices don't go down. They just don't. I feel like my voice is very high on that. Because if, if
0: prices went down a lot, wages would be falling. And no, one want, no one's going to – people would be
1: riding if their wages were falling. So, Ben, to that point, I mentioned food at home is coming down pretty good. Look at, look at food away from home. This has been – this went like from 5% to 6% over the course of 21 to 22. Peaked out at about 8.5%. And it's not coming down at all. The
0: restaurants is, took advantage of it. This is, the, this is the kids' meal thing I was talking about. This is kind
1: week. of wild. Jonathan sent me a picture of a hotel bar menu. He got he said, guess where I am right now. He said I know exactly where you are. 80 tequila there.
0: 80 okay, tequila. So here's here's what I don't get. So look at this. So I looked at the inflation rates in the UK, Germany, Italy, France, and the US. They're all way higher than us now, right? The UK is still almost nine percent, Italy's over eight percent, Germany's over six, France is at six. We're having like the, the best growth coming out of the pandemic of the developed nations, and our inflation is the lowest. How is that possible? I wish I, I don't have an answer. I don't but know. I feel like so. I so I, you never really know what the Fed is thinking. But I think, I think one of the reasons they went so hard last year and were like talking the stock market down and really like, like managing with an iron fist, ruling with an iron fist is because they thought the only way that they could really legitimately bring inflation down is through job loss and a recession. I, I, I feel like they looked at history and thought, there's no other way to do this. Let's take our medicine now and move on. Which was and, fair. But I think now, in the back of their head, I think they're thinking, wait a minute, we could be heroes. Like What if, and I think this is like through no fault of their own, that the US economy has remained so resilient that the Fed is thinking, like, wait a minute, we did all this stuff and the economy is still chugging along. What if we could get out of inflation and not have a recession. Now, why don't we, tr- we actually try to thread this needle and go? I think that's why they pause. I think they're looking at it like, wait, we actually could do this. Like, we could be heroes and try this. And I think that, I think the Fed may be thinking that now and like going for that angle. Thoughts?
1: A lot of the narrative last year was the, the Fed wants you to lose your job. Jerome Powell wants you to lose your job. Was that, was that Were those headlines all over the place? Yes, that's, right? cause that's what he was saying. He literally yeah. said that. So, so now they're saying that, well, Yellen is saying that they think avoiding recession is possible. I think he said that too in the last presser, but he also said that the full effects of our monetary tightening have yet to be felt. So we're going to take a pause and reassess. My, my
0: one, if I'm basing this on one segment of the economy, why I think like, okay, I think the soft landing now is like a very, it's, it's way higher probability than I thought is housing. The fact that the housing market remains so strong, you saw the housing start data this morning when it came yeah. out, we're, we're recording this Tuesday morning. The fact that the housing market has had these exorbitant interest rate increases and it's still just f- chugging along okay, it didn't get just totally decimated is just, is shocking to me. I, I never would well. have believed that.
1: Travel, Travel yes. as well. I thought that there was going to be a one-time spree of people saying, oh my God, I got to go on vacation. It's not slowing down. It ha- not even a little.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you go out in the summer now too. People, it's like it's an excuse to spend money. I've got, I've got something coming up here. Here, do this Bob Elliott thing. I got some stuff about the economy, like wh- how much we love spending money.
1: Okay, Bob Elliott had a really good chart. He said even with 500 basis points of tightening, money just isn't all that tight. In past cycles, rates peaked more than five percent above core. PCE inflation, which is personal consumption expenditure, and that's the Fed's preferred target. Today, the Fed's actions have brought rates just to match it, which is an interesting point. Like, just because rates are 5% doesn't mean that money is necessarily tight. True.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a difference between the level of rates and the level of credit, right? That's a, two that's a different things. So, Dario Perkins posted this, and it's growth in global goods consumption since 2019 Q4, which is the start of the pandemic, and it's the U.S. and then the OECD, excluding the U.S., and I got to be honest, I know the OECD is like this collection of developed economies across the world. Gun to my head, could I, could I like explain what the OECD is? No, but you see it all
1: the time. Do you know what the OECD is? Like if you want to explain only, it? Not, not only do I not know what it is, I don't even know that I can give you what it stands for. It's a, is it the Organization of Economies Cooperating Developmentally? <laughs> <laughs> that's not even close.
0: Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. 37 oh, shit, or close. 38 democracies with market-based economies, blah blah blah. You see it all the time though, and it, I feel like people just assume everyone knows what that means, but I feel like no oh, one yeah, knows let what me that ask
1: means. you this. I'll 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 see your OECD and throw you a G7. Well, G7 that's a little easier. No? Tell me. Yeah, what's it. I, I don't I, I is yours. No, I, <laughs> I
0: just G it, it's just way easier because there's like 37 OECD countries, okay. No, no, no,
1: no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think I can, I can potentially name the G7. I'm not gonna try here, but I think I could do it. Okay. But what, what, are the, what, what, is, what do they do? Because isn't that all about, or is that yeah, just but, a group of nations?
0: There's a lot of coalitions, it seems like. All right, so he looked at growth in global goods consumption since the start of the pandemic. And look at how much the US has done in terms of growth. Like it's, I don't know, 90% of the growth for all these OECD countries. Now look at this next one. U.S. share of OECD goods consumption as a percentage, and this is since 2010. It's gone from one third to 40 percent, basically. And look at that jump in 2020, going from like 35 percent of goods consumption. How do you explain?
1: How do you, how do we explain the growth? It's just we up just, and to the right. We love to spend money. No, I know, I know, but there's got to be some sort of reasonable explanation other than that, no? Or is it just that simple?
0: I think the U.S. just becoming wealthier. I don't. You'd think that other countries would catch up. I think. I mean, I think. If America is like, we have the best basketball players in the world, that, that's starting to waver, Not waver a little bit too. It's starting to waver a little.
1: We are better. Four of the, for the, for the top five are international. If the aliens came to,
0: like, aliens came down and said, like, pick a skill for your country, the U.S.'s biggest skill would be we, we, we know how to spend money.
1: It's really funny that this was a segment because in my notes right here, here's what I did when I was in my car. I wrote American spending Sunday morning. So, I thought about this on Sunday as I went to the bagel store to get bagels and tuna fish and, you know, what we do for Father's Day brunch. So, I spent $80 there. Then I went bagels to Bagels and start... tuna fish? That's your Father's Day brunch? Well, it wasn't just tuna fish, but you don't- I'm not even hearing this. We're not having this conversation. So, I, sp- I spent $80 this is there. This a delicacy
0: I'll never understand. Like, the, what, what's it? What, Lox? Is that the other thing?
1: I don't do locks, but that's a very Long Island thing as well. Do you do? I'm sorry, do, you see, do, egg, th- do what about Excel? We had donuts. We had donuts. What about Excel salad? And, salad.
0: and that, that Excel guy? That, that's just that's just personal preference. I'm not. All right,
1: but fine. Let me ask you this: If you're doing a brunch that you're hosting, what you bring in Forty donuts. What do you serve people? Eggs. Uh, you egg, egg you're, cas- you're, you're you're making scrambled eggs for ten people.
0: Maybe like an egg casserole dish, with some sort of protein in the side, sausage,
1: bacon, that sort of thing. I like that too. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Anyway, then I so I went to, from from the bagel store to Starbucks where I did not spend $7 on a tranter with a few shots because I used my points, but I would have, but you know, 7 bucks at Starbucks. Then I went to CVS for whatever. And I was just thinking like, this is just what it is. We just yeah. we just spend money. Spend, I also spend, think, spend.
0: It, it, can you put some of this on like credit cards and apps and Apple Pay and stuff where it's just, it's so much easier in Amazon where it's just clicking buttons. It doesn't feel like spending money. I, I thought too, because I, the money I spent this weekend, I thought if I would have had to go to the bank every time just to, to get the cash out and then spend this money, it would have hurt. It would have been way more painful than just sl- sliding my credit card or putting it in whatever, you know, it's, you, that's don't, a huge, it's, you don't think that's about a
1: huge, it. That's a huge element. Nobody gets into debt with cash, right? It's so much, <laughs> yeah. it's so much easier. To swipe, because it's like out of sight out of mind until you see, see your credit card. Be like, holy, wait, how did I spend that much money? But yes. that's a big component. As yeah. well as the rewards. By the way, did you see there was an article about, it was like, cards are ruining the, uh, the travel lounge or something?
0: Yes, that we had our discussion last week about the travel lounge. And every, a lot of people wrote in to say, hey, listen, Ben, you're right about the travel lounge being overrated. Because so many people go into it now. there will be like lines out the door to get in there because every credit card now allows you access.
1: Yeah. But I feel like the one that I got, I don't know if I said this last week, but I got the American Express Reserve, which gets you access to, like, some of the nicer lounges. But I don't even care. I'm not a snob. I'll get into any lounge. I just want to get into a lounge. We looked at mine
0: afterwards. I had the American Express Platinum, and Duncan said I'd get into, like, the Centurion oh, or something. same. So we
1: have, so we have access to the, same, to the same spots. Okay, maybe I'll see you there sometime. So we're ruining, you know, sorry. It's because I have, like, 12 different credit cards. All right, go to Eddie Elfenbein.
0: Survey of the week: The United States is effectively bankrupt. True or false? Sixty-eight percent said false. Thirty-two percent said true. I don't think people understand what the word bankrupt means in this context.
1: Well, that's understandable. Do you think that there, there's not? Do you think there's, I, there's a huge difference in the portfolios from Group Group A to Group B? Huge, oh, <laughs> yes,
0: yes, huge. That's true. You don't even need. You don't even need to ask what's in your portfolio. You kind of. I know. don't. Th-
1: I don't think there's many bogleheads uh, that think the stock market, is, uh, the economy is bankrupt.
0: No. The people who say the Probably United States of is bankrupt.
1: a hard, hard asset people.
0: Yes. They have physical stuff in a yeah. safe. Yeah. Okay. Here's our good news of the week. We talked about some good news last week. People liked that one. This is from Axios. The estimated Gini global income inequality coefficient is at its lowest level in 150 years. So I think this, this I don't know how the Gini, we're talking about all the things. We don't know how they work. They just they just are. Uh, let's see. On a scale, let's see. Inequality from 69 in 2000 to 60 in 2018 is almost certainly lower today. That means the world is more equal now than at any point since about 1875. Countries with the richest citizens are generally the world's most powerful. That power is now more broadly distributed than any point in over a century. They're basically saying countries like India and China becoming more wealthy are. that. Thank you, blockchain. Evenly distributing things. And this, I don't know, this surprises me. The funny thing is, is that it's probably becoming more unequal in the United States, but on a global basis, becoming more equal. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you look at it in the United States, it's probably not falling this much, but globally, that makes sense. But anyway, good news.
1: Uh, The layoffs section of our doc has fantastically been pretty quiet. Uh, Sonos, actually. Okay. Do you have a Sonos? You know, I do. I just had a good experience
0: with them. I had—I have one of those little Sonos roams. It's just a little one. You know, I have a big Sonos speaker. Then I have the little one that you can kind of move anywhere.
1: And like take it to the I, beach type thing?
0: Yeah, I hadn't used it in a while. And it wasn't, it just, I got no light. I was charging it, nothing. And I called them and they said, hey, we're going to send a, something to it. And they did it and it worked. I couldn't believe it. Just, How about that? They, they fixed it for me. I thought I was going to have to buy a new one.
1: Anyway, Sonos is laying, laying off 7% of their staff. Sonos went public, No. I feel like that's a stock that I've that I never, ever, yeah, did. I'm assuming it crashed. Let's see. The stock has been, uh, yeah, not, uh, oof, not good.
0: This not was good. definitely a pandemic play then, because it went bonkers in the pandemic.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Bottom
0: up $7, and it topped out at 40 something
1: It's almost where it was when it IPO'd, but yeah, hell of a ride. Okay. This is interesting. to you see this? Instant pots. I think they're, they're filing bankruptcy. I don't know if they're going away or if they're restructuring. But net sales fell by 22%, the seventh consecutive quarter of decline. I feel like with the benefit was of a, hindsight- That was a fad, right? This is the type of thing that is easy to see coming. I don't know if this was a fad. It was just, you know, it was the work. It was the, sta- it was the, the pandemic type thing. Everybody was like, I remember people talking the about Instant them a pots.
0: lot when it happened. But wh- what did you- Is this, is it like a- I've, I've never used one before. What is it kind it's of like, like
1: a crock I think, pot? I think they make slow cookers, yeah. You know what? So you make brisket in it? Did you I, make brisket in an instant pot? Tons of brisket. I'm surprised that's the only way to make it, right? You can't make brisket anywhere else. Uh, just kidding. But I haven't used mine in like a, a year. I'm not quite sure why. I love that thing.
0: We never got... My middle-aged thing is that I'm definitely... Duncan says you can make a baked potato in five minutes. My big I'm thing... I'm not middle-aged, by the lot, way.
1: I, I had an epiphany. Middle-age is, is once you're 50. I'm sorry. It's that's, that's not me being in denial. I'm just not middle-aged. It's 50. You're
0: definitely... Every week in the comments on YouTube, someone says, Michael slowly realizing he's middle-aged is the greatest thing ever because it's been happening like six months in a row. Well, but unfortunately, my middle Unfortunately... Is yeah, go ahead. The air fryer. I, I've heard people say that, like, people swear by their air fryers. I, I cooked some asparagus in it last week and usually put it in the oven maybe or on the grill and it takes forever. Like 10 minutes in an air fryer and you get
1: crispy, nice yeah, crisp. Yeah, air fryer. Air fryer is great air fryer is great. So remember I said I'm turning into my dad. So my dad always so I have a brother Matthew. My dad always like calls me Matthew or fi- mixes up, which is understandable, but I cannot keep my kids name straight. I always this is, it doesn't make sense. There's a 50/50 chance. I always get it wrong. I don't See, my understand. My mom would like
0: that too. I'm pretty good.
1: So I you had the epiphany
0: of turning into your dad. I had one too. This is going to sound like a humble brag, it's not because my one of my dad's favorite things to do is he loves to just take his dog for a walk. He goes for, like, two or three walks a day. It's great activity. But when I was growing up, my dad would bring, like, a plastic bag from the grocery store and pick up trash on the way. And that, I'm like, that's such a dad thing to do. that, Like, trash ah, on the side good, of the what road. A, like, what a good Samaritan. Yeah, my dad's a good guy. But so he, and I'd be like, why, why are you doing that? It's so gross. It's such an old man thing. And in a, in a young age, I would think, like, why would you ever do that? And now, m- with my kids, I'm turning in my father. I pick up trash all the time. Like I want to get. Your,
1: is that you have, you have some pride in your neighborhood?
0: Well, my kids were learning about like littering and and like mm. being kind to the environment, and so I started picking up. And my kids will now be like, "Dad, there's a piece of trash." And there's some stuff I obviously won't touch, but I, I want to get one of those walking sticks with like the like sharp the thing on cl- the end that you can stab. Yeah, and, yeah, st- yeah, sta- yeah. I want to get one of those because because yeah. once you start seeing it, it makes me angry that people just litter
1: all the time. I hate it. Littering is gross. I'm not a fan of. I mean, I've I've been in situations where people throw things out the window. I think it's I think it's a dirtbag move. You never you never get into I, Mad I will. Men. I will flick gum, which is probably not nice, but, but I, won't throw a piece of, I won't throw a donut out the window. Well, food is okay, because that,
0: that's... Uh, Are you being an serious? Get it.
1: Throwing uh, food, right? Food. Food's okay. Food's not littering. So here... so it decomposes. My dad is notorious for saying things incorrectly. For example, you know how last week, when I was like, holy shit, I'm talking to my dad, I called Dennis Green, Dennis Allen, right? That's what I did? My dad yesterday, or on Father's Day, we were talking about like my tail's, my dog's tail was wagging. He's like, oh, that reminds me of the scene in that movie with Jack Black. What's it called? Dust. Uh, along came, along came Mary. And I'm like, <laughs> first of all, you're thinking about, about Shallow Hal, and it's along came Polly, not, and then something about Mary. But he called it along came Mary, and that's I will, I'm not far from that. I can see that.
0: Okay, uh, good one from our colleague Nick Majuli. Why are houses so expensive? This was a good stat. Over the past decade, US housing prices have increased nearly 4.7% above the rate of inflation, while median household income has only grown by 1.5% per year over inflation over the same period. That's a tough stat. That's a massive, massive number if you're yeah. not in the housing market. If you're in the housing market, you are like, you're golden. If you're out of the housing market, you're screwed, unfortunately. Look at this chart. Wild, huh? It really is.
1: The funny thing is. What are we is, looking is that, at? What are we looking
0: at? So, real U.S. housing index since 1890. This is from Robert Schiller. It's adjusted for inflation. Uh, from the end of World War II until 2000, U.S. housing prices appreciated by basically 30 basis points a year after inflation. In the seven years that followed, they grew 6.3% above inflation, which is 20 times faster. So, we, we've had these huge, you know, just a takeoff in housing prices in the 2000s and then now and yeah i remember robert schiller first wrote his book in like 2000 talking about or the early 2000s talking about how housing should basically track inflation over the long term and ever since then it hasn't at all Oh wait that's
1: that's that's like a national index obviously
0: yes i I, yeah i don't know i i have a feeling they're going to be studying this period of the housing market for a long long time in the future because I, I don't know how it's gonna get better. So, so Nick's piece so-
1: basically said three things. It's, it's a lack of supply. It is a lack of new homes, which are, I guess are the same thing. It's just, and it's, this is demographics. This is, this is like the big one, yeah. right? There are 70 million millennials that underbuilt. are moving out of the cities. It's, it's kind of weird to think about that the crash in housing
0: prices from t- in 2008 and that lasted to 2012 basically set up the bull market that's happening, that happened in the pandemic. If that crash didn't happen and people didn't stop building homes, things would probably be a lot more healthy right now than they are. So this is this is a good one from Twitter. Uh, this is price indices for housing relative to construction costs, and it's showing the UK is like three point two five times the cost. The US is still relatively low; it's at like one and a half times. Uh, so there's like the markup. yeah. So this is so this is essentially like, I don't know how much does land cost, right? Because it's it's Replacement costs versus prices, and things are way well, it says, way worse. It says elsewhere. relative,
1: not not an epic. It says relative to construction costs. You assume that includes the price of the land, probably.
0: No, I think it like means how much to build a house. So that's what. It, so the land. This is the reason it's so much higher there is because land is so much more expensive. Because if it costs five hundred thousand dollars to build a house, but it costs two million to buy it in London, the difference is the price of the land, right? So I don't know. So yeah, this is is stripping out land. So it's it's basically just saying it costs, to buy a house, it costs way more because it's so hard to get where you could actually build a house, but if you didn't have the land, you're screwed, right?
1: Look at the UK. That's wild. It's really, really,
0: yeah, exactly. They're they're in a way worse position than we are. Maybe that's why their inflation is still 9%. I don't know. Good one from Redfin here. One third of US home purchases made in... Cash in April up from 30% a year ago, comparable to 33% in February, which was the highest in nine years. Typical down payment, $52,500, which is pretty high. Down 18% from a year ago. Uh, but look at this Look at this typical down payment. If you go back to 2011, it was, I don't know, 25, dollars $30,000. It got as high as $65,000 in 2022. Now it's, it's falling. And I think that's because the median down payment is, as a percentage is going down. So I guess it used to be 16.5% a year ago. Now it's 13%. So I think housing prices rising and, and interest rates being so much higher, people are putting less down, which honestly makes sense to me. Totally. Right, I'd be, I'd be putting it down you, I as mean, little could, as I could, yeah.
1: Yeah, you could afford what you could afford.
0: Right, so yeah, people are trying to make it work by putting less down, which I think actually probably makes sense. Uh, no, we've talked about this a lot, but more than nine in 10 mortgage holders have a rate below 6%. This is also from Redfin. Look at that, how that changes over time. Uh, let's see. Yeah. 82% have below 5%. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. They gave this hypothetical about a buyer who bought in 2018 when home prices were on $280,000 median wise and four and a half percent mortgages, which, you know, not 3%, but not bad. So th- they would be paying $1,000 less today. So You bought in 2018, you're paying $1,000 less a month. I mean, that that monthly payment spread over the course of how many ever years. Here's my, here's my question. Why are mortgage rates so much higher than 10-year treasuries right now? I know we've talked a little about the reasons. Why aren't spreads coming in at all? Is this just a mortgage bond thing? Because look at this. I put this on a Y chart. Uh, the average, historically, Going back to 1971, Sean did this for us, 1.7%. Currently, it's like 3% and, uh, over the tre- so Because 10-year are not that high. They're 37 3.8%. Well, mortgage rates are the, 7 Why is it so drive, much higher?
1: What, what drives the spread of mortgage rates? Is it demand? I, th- I think
0: it has to do with mortgage bonds and the fact that you're not going to get uh, prepaid. Oh, right.
1: We've, we've spoken about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe and Tracy did a did a deep dive on this.
0: I don't know. It just It's just hard to fathom the fact that the 10-year treasury is still relatively low relative to history. 3.7% is pretty low for a 10-year treasury yield. Not lower yeah. than it was in the pandemic, but it's still pretty low, and mortgage rates are still this high. I don't know. I'd be pretty angry if I was getting a new mortgage right now.
1: Uh, did you see that... There's a chart from the Street Journal about renters. We don't speak about renters that, that much, but the new lease asking rents percentage change from a year earlier, according to Zillow, Redfin, and a bunch of others. Um, according to Redfin, are the, the prices are down year over year, so this is disinflation too, where prices are still rising, but the the speed at which they're rising is crashing. Are these going to go negative?
0: This is good news. I think it probably will. I think looks like it, are, right? Yeah, this is good news for people who decided to sit out the the home buying process and just want to rent, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, every year Vanguard puts out this. Uh, how America Saves report, because they have like, I don't know, trillions of dollars in 401k IRA plans. This is so across the Vanguard universe of participants, 83% of eligible employees were enrolled in their employers' voluntary savings programs in 2022, which is pretty good. Eight out of 10 people who had a 401k enrolled in it. That's uh, up 8% since 2013. But if you had automatic enrollment, 93% participated versus 70% with a voluntary enrollment. So the, that automatic stuff is good. What do you think the average savings rate is for someone in a Vanguard 401k?
1: The average savings rate in terms of dollars or percentage, percentage. of Percentage.
0: Percentage of their target is 12 to 15% to meet retirement goals, which I think is a pretty good target. I think that that I I'd be aligned with that. 12 All to 15%. Right, so
1: let's say eight, seven, or eight.
0: Yeah, it's like seven point four percent. But they said twenty percent of participants would need to boost their savings one to three percent and hit their target. It's pretty good. Not bad. but I I, I like that twelve to fifteen percent. As a as as a goal.
1: Anything else interesting? Any like good takeaways, tidbits, if you will? Not real. I mean, there's
0: one that shows they show the average deferral rate by income, and even over hundred fifty thousand dollars, the average is still only eight percent, which I would have I've assumed would have been higher for four. This doesn't this doesn't include a match. So with a match, it's probably it's obviously a little higher if you get one.
1: Ben um. We've spoken about this a million times, and it's a topic that will just probably come up every so often, because I don't think I think it's a trend that's up and to the right, unfortunately. Stephen Ratner had a th- tweet thread, if the economy is so good, why are so many Americans grumpy about it? So he shows different like opinions, surveys, if you will. Country on the right track. Everybody says no. or Not everybody. 75% of people say it's going the wrong direction. Optimism about the economy. Not good. Consumer sentiment. Terrible. Presidential approval. Awful. Uh, Americans, and they said Americans feel a lot better about their own lives than they do about their country. 73% rate their personal situation as good or excellent, but just 18 people say the same about the U.S. as a whole. And I don't think this is complicated. It's just social media for the most part, right? You have more access to what other people are doing, and we don't like other people, generally, the royal way, right? We like people that we know, and
0: so, there there was a a,
1: sad sad state of affairs.
0: There was a story in the New York Times today called your brain has tricked you into thinking everything is worse. And Derek Thompson summed this up on Twitter. He said, basically, your memory is biased towards positive information, which is nostalgia. So you think positively about the past, but our present focus attention is being biased towards negative information, meaning our general perception is that everything is always getting worse. We, we look at the past more fondly and positive. we think about the positives of the past. Yes. But in the, in the present, we think about the negatives. And that means that's why we constantly think things are getting worse, even though they are Definitely getting better for society as a whole. Which I thought that's a good piece.
1: Good take. Good take. Uh, Somebody sent us a check from Denver, Colorado. Was this Sean? Yes. Or is this, okay, this is from Sean.
0: I really would like to know what a strawberry daisy drink is. I mean, we can't, we have no room to talk since we drink Miami Vices, but there's a strawberry daisy on here, which I've never heard of. Sure, it's
1: delicious. Although now that I'm examining this menu, Who's drinking a strawberry daisy and getting a miso soup? This looks like a sushi. Yeah, crunchy red. Interesting choice. I'm sorry. You don't drink daiquiris with sushi. Okay. But anyway. I don't, eat, I don't
0: eat sushi either. I, I, I'm, I'm just a, I'm a wimp when it comes to, you, you like the finer things in life, I guess.
1: Me? I don't eat sushi. I mean, I'll eat like a, I don't eat seafood. I'll eat like a California roll. Oh, that's true.
0: You and I went to a seafood restaurant once and we both said, we're out, sorry.
1: Yeah, don't eat seafood. So, but there was an employee wellness fee of three percent, which is that's over the line. I'm sorry. It seems employee excessive. wellness, you pay your employee. We'll tip. So, you know,
0: on the on the machines that ask for the tip now, you can you can write a little message there. And I saw one of them said like industry standard. Like they're they're pushing you towards picking a certain amount. You know? And I think it was like twenty, twenty five percent. It was like a higher end. That's was, high.
1: Listen, I grew up in the service industry, okay? Valet parker, caddy, only for a day. But I spent years parking cars, cabana boy, waiter. So I know from this. I take care of the people. But there's a time and a place. And an employee wellness fee is not one of them. Know what I tip my valet parkers? What? Although I'm debating about this. It might be too much. I might have to throttle it back. 10 bucks a day. Or 10 bucks a park.
0: Okay. It's so expensive to park at a hotel, though, too. If you park at a hotel, it's like, I don't know, 70 or 80 bucks a night or something. It's ridiculous. That's a scam. Yes, that is a scam. All right, someone sent me this. Uh, Credit card in front, HELOC in back. Home equity backed credit card. Lower rates, 8 to 15%. I've never heard of the company here before, but I talked about how people are going to be using their equity for different financial means.
1: Wait, what is this? It's a
0: home equity backed credit card, meaning your home equity is collected. I don't know how how that works, how you, un- okay. it's a credit card to unlock home equity, I honestly don't know how it works, but I thought- I'm was-
1: intrigued, I'm intrigued, because the, the low I've, APRs are good, maybe because there's obviously a lot of collateral there. I still can't believe Amex charges charges 20% APR, that's wild.
0: Unsecured debt, I guess, but yes, that's, that's, that's pretty high. Someone, someone actually asked me the other day, do you think most people pay off their credit card? And, and the, the assumption was most people do not, my thing no, well, is, well, you say
1: most over 50%. I would say most people do.
0: I think so too. I think it's a small percentage, like I don't know, a third maybe that don't pay it off. And they're the ones who get caught eating the late fees and the, they don't make them run. I think it's, I it's think a it's smaller than subset that. than you
1: think. By the way, this data has to be available, has to be. But I would guess, I would guess one in eight don't pay their, maybe Probably I'm fair. way off. I don't know, 15% ish don't pay it off. Uh, all right. Uh, got an email. Oh, Hey guys, I'm a journalist and an author who cold reaches out to folks regularly. I sometimes try to do the scheduling thing. We're talking about the email thing that I spoke about this week. I sometimes try to do the scheduling two or three weeks out, not for my own sake or my own busy schedule, but because I assume that you are busy, which that's is fair. very, uh, very polite. Thoughtful. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm referring to. I totally right. respect that. If that's your thing, I'm saying like when somebody connects you and they do like, oh yeah, I could talk to you through because I'm so busy. I don't like that. Right. I just don't like it. Sorry. Don't like it. I don't, I don't think anybody's too busy for a quick call. All right, Ben, I had, I had uh, a thought. I was in a, the deli the other day getting uh, an egg wrap for breakfast. And Robin said, get, uh, get some gum. So I looked onto the counter and they had gum. And some of the gums that hit my face, I was like, oh my God, it's still a thing. Juicy fruit, double mint, and big red. Remember those? Obviously, and you don't
0: see you don't see a whole lot of new gums anymore, do you?
1: Well, it's, I feel like Orbit was like brand new back in the day, probably twenty years ago that hit the scene. But and I'm not judging at all. But who do you think buys Big Red? Who's the buyer of Big Red gum? <laughs>
0: that's a good. That's a good question. I, I never really. So, did for it for the,
1: me. so, so, so for people that are, I guess, under thirty-five who don't know about Big Red, it's like a, a pack of gum, obviously, and there's like five sticks of, like, kind of... It's like you're snorting cinnamon. cinnamon. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big cinnamon guy, so... But anyway, so I, I went on the Wikipedia to figure out, like, hey, what's going on here? So those gum, all of those gum... Can you pluralize gums? All of those gum were owned and made by Rip Wrigley, which was bought by Mars in 2008 for $23 billion, which blew my mind, but here's what really blew my face. Juicy Fruit. You know when that came out? Are you looking at the doc? I see it now. I, okay. Juicy eight, Fruit, 1893. There was gum in the 1890s. Double Mint, 1914. Big Red. Wow, they took a huge break. Big Red is 1975. It's kind of funny
0: that we discovered gum before penicillin.
1: Hubba Bubba, what's that? You know what Hubba Bubba is?
0: Yeah, that's like the Oh, Orbit.
1: Pink, they pink make stuff. Orbit. 2001. So anyway, uh, more fun facts on Wrigley, on, on the gum. Goose Island, that's where they're located. Where's that? Chicago.
0: Chicago? have oh, you man. been there? I've had Goose Island beer before.
1: Okay. You and my, they, they own the big building, the Wrigley don't, building, right? You know what my go to gum the, is? The lake. Did I call it the lake the river? My go to gum, go ahead, you first. I like the Mentos gum. Mentos gum. Mentos gum is good it gum. It's like a
0: little Mentos, yeah. I like that one.
1: It's fresh. Uh, I like uh, not the orbit little squares, not like the little rectangle ones. I do the, like the, the crunchy white, the one with the, one with the cri- crunchy white outside.
0: Well, we must be in a bull market because we're we're talking about gum here. So yes, I'm thinking is, like
1: literally nobody cares. I apologize. We got we got too far afield out right here. All right, all right where, where good, we going next? I've got
0: some good recommendations. All right, I've got all a right. new show, Apple TV, Platonic with Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen. I loved them together in Neighbors. I love that movie. I think it. I think part of it is because we had just had our daughter when that movie came out, so we had a toddler. I think
1: Apple sneakily is, is putting out some decent co- content. So there, I. It's just weird because. I
0: don't have any comedies in my life anymore. There's there's not many, I mean, obviously Succession was funny, but that was more witty than f- funny as a comedy. This is an actual comedy. I think Rose Byrne is highly underrated. I think she's funnier in this show than Seth Rogen is. She's great. And it's a great midlife show because they have kids and dealing with, mid, it's a, kind of like a midlife crisis kind of show. It's two friends who, they were uh, best friends in college. Her and Seth Rogen were best friends, and they kind of split, went their separate ways, and then, now they're kind of finding each other again in their 40s and becoming friends again. It's not like a great, it would have been a funny movie in the 2010s if it was made. But there, each each part of the show has funny parts to it. And the, the funniest part, they, it takes place in L.A. And they ride those little scooters around that you and I always ride when we go to cities, you know. And a running bit for some reason is Seth Rogen. Every time he sees one, he like drop kicks it or throws it. He, he hates the scooters and he pushes them over. And I feel like there has to be a backstory there, but it, it just makes me laugh every time.
1: Speaking of L.A., I'm going, I'm going next week. Will I get access to
0: my lounge? We'll have to see. You'll have to give us a, give us a review. All right. Uh, our new, One of our newest advisors at Ridhold slacked us a couple weeks ago, Eric, and said, you guys have got to revisit The Graduate. It holds up really well. I haven't seen it in like 15 years. It's on Amazon Prime. I watched it. He's totally right. This movie could have been released now, and it would have worked. And I've got a few things to say. For, I read the Mike Nichols book about it, and it's so funny because, or about Mike Nichols, who's the guy who directed it. And they said like, when they picked Dustin Hoffman as the lead, everyone was kind of like, hey, he's okay. Like, no one thought, like, this guy's going to be amazing. They felt like, was he, eh, like,
1: a-. 25? How old was he? He looked like a baby.
0: Yeah, he was pretty young. But it, it, hold, it holds up so well. The movie could release now, and it would have been good. It's such. I'm usually not a fan of, like, really weird movies like that. Because it does have a weird tone to it. But I love it. Here's two things that stood out to me. The 1960s style, could like, that stuff could work today. The stuff they wore, like, the short shorts at the pool and the loungewear. You could wear that. Like, the style in the movie was great. And I just love how every house had a bar in it. Like, that was, like, a yeah. thing. Like, you yeah. just had a bar, and you were, you assumed if you go to someone else's house, you go get a drink, because there's yeah. a bar right there. Anyway, great one. I, 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 have I a- watched
1: that, wait, hang on, I'm a graduate. I watched that for the first time, like, two years ago, and you're right. Phenomenal movie.
0: Yeah, it's so good. Uh, I have a recommendation for you. you so, I've, from the, from the man who brought you Tropical Bros and Bird Dogs, now you have, now you need a pair of sunglasses that you can wear in your jet ski, that are not expensive and won't fall off. Uh, Gooder sunglasses. G-O-O-D-R. Okay? G-O-O. I well, put a link a in shame. the doc here for you. They're like 25 just... bucks. They're rubber. They. I wear them like in the pool, on the boat. When I go jogging, they don't fall off. And if they do fall off, they're 25 bucks and I don't care. So I have like four pair. And if they break, I throw it away and get a new one.
1: Those this are your is... summer, summer beach glasses. Okay. I, you know what? I will buy a pair because... I always lose my sunglasses. The ones that I currently have, I feel like it's my longest streak. It's like two years, but I'm afraid to buy expensive sunglasses. I lose them. I just bought, I did buy uh, goggles for my jet ski, but I could. but 20 bucks on Amazon. I'll buy these two. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of bird dogs, yesterday at the beach, my wife's friend was like, so her colleague listens to us and the wife texted the friend that like. My husband's buying a pair of shorts that your, hus- that your friend's <laughs> husband was talking about. My father-in-law like, bought some. Damn right he's buying bird dogs. <laughs> nice. We-, we influenced someone. Okay. Two things for me. I rewatched The Purge, which I haven't seen since it first came out. What year was that? Uh, it is just a really, it's a really good idea.
0: Even though I don't, I'm not a huge fan of those kind of movies, it's a really good idea.
1: 2013. Um... And I'm going to say it holds up because it's only 10 years old. It's an awesome movie. Just a really kick-ass movie. Yeah. Uh, And I watched last night a movie on Shudder. Oh, wait. Before I get to that, do you know about this one, Ben?
0: About my father. I'm holding my phone from my screen.
1: About my father. So this keeps popping up. It's a new one with De Niro and Sebastian. It's got to be horrendous. It didn't look great. It's got to be horrendous. What did it get? Uh, about my father. It's, it's loosely based on his life.
0: Whose? Sebastian, Miniscalco.
1: Like, uh, oh, 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 I stand corrected. Okay, this is a winner. The critics gave it a 36, the audience gave it an 81. I'm going to try it. That's a winner. I don't,
0: I don't know if my hopes, cr- but I'm, I'll give it a try.
1: Yeah, but when there's a giant spread favoring the audience for, for, for comedies, the audience is almost always right. I will True. definitely watch this. Um, okay, so I watched a movie called Influencer. You've probably never heard of it. No, I, I watched it on, uh, on Shudder via Amazon. And it's, a, it's about an influencer who goes to Thailand and starts to get stalked by a stalker. And it's quite creepy. It's in the horror genre, I guess, but it's not, it's not scary. It's not like slasher, you know? It's just very creepy, very well done. And if you are into those movies as you know I am, I would recommend this, and as just, I bet I see I see I see your, the wheels turning, and you're about to say something. Before you say something, let me just say my piece. Okay. I think you and others think that I'm the only pe- person that watches movies like this. Clearly, that's not the case because no, they get a made, huge right? audience the, for it. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, there, there's there's got to be tens of thousands of us that enjoyed these movies. I just maybe even that, ho- maybe even hundreds. Oh, the horror, it's like horror
0: and sports, in a, or horror and uh, superheroes. That's, that's the only thing carrying the movie industry the last ten years, but. It just it occurred to me that, like, you don't go to the movies wanting to, like, sit back and relax and just kind of, like, turn your brain off. You go to the movies to be, like, freaked out or thrilled or skate. Like, you – it's like a tense experience. You love having a tense experience in the movies. That's not me. Yeah,
1: guess what? I don't even know if I enjoy it. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I found this. So, Rotten Tomatoes did, like, the top 100 horror movies of the year. So, that's how I found Influencer. Quite good. In fact – See, that's, yeah, that, 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 that's I'll say, the problem. that. I'll say that. If, if there's hundred horror it.
0: movies in a year, that, that there's too many it. of them. But but you, nope, you there's obviously a market for them. All right.
1: Uh. All right. Uh. Anything else, Ben, for the audience? I got nothing. All right. You know what? Before we go, it's almost July. How does this happen every year? Not, I'm not say, just saying the year. You say you're
0: not in midlife
1: crisis yet. Summer. Summer is almost over. I know summer has that yet to begin, but it's almost July. It's the beginning of the end.
0: You're an old man. Animalspiritspod at gmail.com. See you next time.